Welcome back to Beyond Well with Sheila Hamilton. This is a program for people who want to learn more about our interior lives. And the most recent statistics on gender diversity predict that we should expect 3% of the American population to have a gender identity other than male or female. What that means for a lot of parents is that they're going to be dealing with the question of gender identity. And I have two friends and experts today that are going to help us with this very sensitive and important topic. Please welcome parenting coach, author, and my friend, Christina Olivetti-Spencer. Christina, it's always so wonderful to see you. Sheila, it's great to see you. Thanks for having me today. Christina is also the wonderful mother of a 15-year-old who began his transition at age 11. Andre Irizarry is a resident physician in the Department of Psychiatry at Stanford. His current work involves educational initiatives that are focused on social justice, trauma-informed care, and the overall experiences of trans and non-binary patients in healthcare. Dre, it's so good to have you with us. So great to be here. Thanks for having me. In order to spend ample time with both of our guests and to really get into the meat of their experiences, I'm going to speak with Christina first, and then in the second half of this program, we'll be talking with Dre. Christina, would you just describe a little bit of your journey with your son? So um, I gave birth to three female-bodied children, and uh, from early on, one expressed themselves very, very differently than the other two. And from a young age, my son chose boyish activities, clothes, all kinds of things. And initially, it didn't occur to me that it was a gender identity issue. You know, I think when he was young, I really had that sort of outdated tomboy archetype in my head and mm. thought that's what we've got going on here. And also, he was in first grade when gender dysphoria became part of the DSM. And I actually read that definition. And by that definition, he did not meet that diagnosis because he wasn't distressed. My kid was being themselves. If you ask them about their gender, he called it middle gender. He said, I'm like a girl in my heart, you know, inside my body, but I'm like boyish on the outside. And so we went with boyish middle for a very, very long time. And it wasn't until sort of the body changes of puberty started to exert themselves that I could tell that he would be distressed if he grew up to have a female body. He had been living boyish for so long, I almost couldn't imagine him growing into a woman. I think one of the things many counselors would report back is that trans kids, especially when they're swimming, want to express themselves in their affirmed gender. And so my kid hardly ever wore a girl's bathing suit. He was in trunks and a swimsuit for as long as I can remember. Mm -hmm. And we always said that he was going shirtless and I was always fine with that. And nobody even ever thought he was a girl. I mean, and in some senses, by the time my son was like 11, it would have actually been more confusing to grow a woman's body. We would have actually had more explaining to do. He was mistaken as a boy or treated as a boy so frequently that sometimes they would mishear the name that we had given him at birth. And so we would go with these like other names, like, you know, what were some of the ones? Uh, I don't know. There were there were names that, that came up that he's like, maybe I'll just be Jimmy. <laughs> and I was like, wow. okay. And he'd be like, mom, that kid thinks my name's Jimmy. Just go with it. And I would be like, okay. Different families have different experiences. My son's gender emerged very gradually. And so we have a different experience than other parents who have a child who comes to them when the forces of puberty really force 
the child to announce something very, very intimate with their parents that the parents might not be expecting. I, I think it's incredible how much support, loving affirmation you gave your son about what he was experienced. Why do you think it's important that parents respond in this kind of manner when you begin the discussion around gender identity? So I think, in you know, parents, my generation, so like Gen X, millennial parents, and certainly generations older than we are, are really needing to re-educate themselves about gender, that our children are showing us a reality, a, a natural manifestation of human diversity that has been largely flying under the radar for a long time. So trans people have always existed, but people haven't understood so young that gender diversity existed. And so I think it's incumbent upon parents who may need to do a bunch of learning to catch up to speed with their children, to meet their children with love at a very vulnerable moment. That when a, when a child shares their gender identity with their parents, I think what I want for parents, what I wish for families is that that moment is treated as sacred, as one of the most intimate moments that they can have. And even if a parent is confused or surprised or doesn't know what to think, it would be a shame to miss the love that's present in that moment. It would be a big loss in the family. And so my wish for families is to just really realizing that something big and special is happening. And even if they're disoriented by this new information, to realize their child has just shared something incredibly personal and intimate with their parents. Yeah. I want to talk more about the ways in which parents can maybe uh, not prepare themselves because nobody's prepared for this information, but at least be able to respond with compassion and love in that moment. Do you have some tips for other parents? Sure. You know, I mean, I think these are actually great parenting tips that I've learned from lots of the parent educators that I've been lucky to know in my past. Um, whenever a child comes to you with very personal, surprising information that they drank too much two nights ago, or, you know, they did really poorly in a test or other vulnerable information that maybe you might not want to be receiving at that particular moment. You know, a good first tip is to just breathe, just take a deep breath, take care of yourself with breathing. That always works. I think the other next thing to do is just say, thank you for sharing this with me. And then the third piece, which, which again, is just like a general great parenting tip is tell me more. Tell me more is wonderful because it invites a child forward and it gives you time to settle yourself. Mm. So like, wow, thank you for sharing this with me. Tell me more. This is like a really important three-step message for parenting all kinds of situations. Wow. Thank you. Tell me more. I just love how you encourage parents to also just consistently remind the child of how much you love them, that this is not going to change yeah. your love for them. You know, that seems to me to be one of the most important psychological things that you're doing there. You know, it's really communicating love to the child and also taking care of yourself by just building a little more time for you not to be talking in the conversation, to just breathe, let the child talk and share, breathe, let the child talk and share. And especially in this moment to be saying, wow, this is really big. Mm. This is really big and important. I think oftentimes as parents, we just need a little time to breathe as we're receiving information from our kids. And before we like react really quickly in a way that we might regret later. 
Christina has written a, a beautiful, incredible one sheet on this that we're going to be posting at our website. And in that, Christina, you say, share your vulnerability and make the request. I don't know how to respond, but I want to learn more. Can you share some resources about this with me? Now, kids that are like your son or may have all the resources, others may not. So is it incumbent upon the parent then to do that kind of research? Part of what I want parents also to feel is that when a child shares this important information, it's the beginning of a process. Mm-hmm. And it's a process that's not an emergency, but also requires a response in the moment. Doing nothing is also a response and it's very not supportive. My wish for parents is to tell their kids that, wow, I have a lot to learn about this topic. And there's two things. I think it is incumbent upon the parent to track down resources. I think it's also incumbent upon the parent to ask, how can I be most supportive right now? What would support look like you as my child right now? Hmm. What do you think was the single most important type of support that you provided for your son in his decision to go ahead and start this transition? One of the things that my son often reports is that, um, when he connects with other folks in the trans community, he sometimes feels like they don't believe that he was happy. I think the single most important thing that I did was let my kid be happy, let my kid just be themselves and love that. Like just, I was kind of enchanted by this creative trailblazer who didn't do anything that other kids did. And so that's, I think the most important thing I did. I think the second most important thing I did was I had a bias, honestly, against medical transition. I found it really difficult to wrap my head around the idea of gender as something that wasn't just social. I I had been a gender studies major at a time where it was deeply drilled into me that gender was a social concept. Mm. And I, in my learning, it was progress to see actually gender, not as one thing, like a social construct, but as a complicated constellation of nature and nurture and culture, that all of those things work on each other and that it is appropriate to address the body if a person is experiencing gender incongruence. Yeah. That was the learning that I had to do. I would argue that just about any parent has a learning curve to travel when they have a gender diverse kid if they themselves are cisgender, that there's just a learning curve. And my learning curve was about learning about why you would address the body with medicines or other interventions. And I feel really, really happy that we made those choices. I'm going to want to talk more about how people get the support for making those choices as well, if we can, Christina. But can we go back to that moment, the moment when your kid says, I think that maybe I'm trans and and you're you're saying to the parent, have some compassion for yourself too. What do you mean by that? I think one of the most important things for parents of gender diverse kids to work toward is really taking responsibility for themselves and their own experience. Many parents report feeling grief that their child is a different gender than was assigned at birth. That grief actually can be very hurtful to the child because the child actually wants to celebrate becoming themselves, deserves to celebrate becoming themselves. At the same time, the grief and loss that the parent is experiencing is real. And my suggestion, and my wish for parents and children is that parents are the adults in the room and to take responsibility for themselves, meaning, wow, I'm so happy that my kid is understanding themselves and wow, I'm going to need support 
So it's important for parents to have a listening resource, to have a place to sort out what their grief is exactly about. I think for many, maybe even most parents, relearning gender uncovers not only assumptions, but values that we have about life, values about tradition or values about aesthetic or values about any number of things. And what happens when you're learning about gender diversity is that everyone's forced to reassess those values and think about what's really important. And for most, most parents, loving their kids is the most important, that their love for their children is primary and that all of these other values about tradition or aesthetic, or I wanted a wedding like this, or I thought that can actually fall in behind that you love your kid. Mm-hmm. But sometimes there's a learning curve. There's a learning curve about what's going on. And there's a lot of fear, right? Yeah. There's a lot of fear about the unknown. And I think that's where parents really need to support themselves with finding other adult resources, therapists, pediatricians to help them work through their fear so that they can be fully there for their children. What do you think that it's a common thing for parents who learn this information to grieve? And should should we expect to be able to grieve if we learn this information about our child? I think it's a really tough question because I think embedded in that grief is transphobia, right? In some senses, right? I think also the loss of a future that you thought you were going to have yeah. is always profound grief, right? I mean, and there's so many ways that we lose a future that we thought we would have. There's illness, you know, sudden death. There's like, our future can change on a dime in many ways. This is one of them. In all fairness, this is okay. I want parents to know that this is okay. They might be afraid, Mm -hmm. but this is actually a pretty juicy, exciting, joyful journey if they can travel a learning curve. And I understand that there's the grief of losing a future, but there's also the opportunity for intense, immense, incredible knowing and intimacy and adventure and learning and honestly, just fun, fun. People who, I would say that people who buck norms actually really know how to have more fun than those of us who color in the lines all the time. And I just invite parents to embrace that, to find their edge and their margin and like break out a little bit. There's so much to be learned about breaking the mold and our trans kids every day are showing us the small and big ways that we're holding ourselves back. These kids are showing a path of liberation. And so I want to celebrate, you know, with parents who get to be on this journey. I know that's not how everybody feels, but that's how I feel. No, it's beautiful. You, you talk about Christina reconnecting and making a plan. And one of the things that occurred to me is how do you temper your own sort of anxiety and stress around, oh my gosh, what do I need to do? And when do I need to do it to support my child versus the gradual process that transitioning actually is? That's a really good question. And I think that's a really like person by person, family by family situation. I think it has a lot to do with the age of the child, Mm. you know, how much time you have to kind of reflect. I do think there's so many things that families can do that don't require medical intervention. And I feel like giving permission to kids to do those immediately Mm. is one great way to affirm a child. Yeah. In really important ways, using their preferred pronouns, letting them use a new name, letting them go shopping, get a haircut, buy a dress, go to the family Christmas party and whatever they want to wear. Like all of these things are super supportive. And also it's important for parents to connect with professionals they consider knowledgeable 
you know, fairly soon to really understand what the process is. And I would have to say that like Diane Aronsaft and Stephen Rosenthal at UCSF, these folks are incredible professionals. And I was met with such sensitivity and support. And I know their counterparts at Boston Children's and the Children's Hospital in LA, these large academic centers where there are pediatric genders clinics, mm-hmm. the by and large, the endocrinologists, psychologists, and developmental pediatricians who work there are really good people who've been highly trained, who've seen a lot of cases. And in particular with Diane Aronsaft, one of the things that she talked to me about, which I think is really important to mention, and Dre, I'll be so curious to get your thoughts on this, is that, um, you know, Diane says not every child who comes into my office is necessarily trans. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's something else going on. A lot of times it's not. I mean, a lot of times that is going to be what it's going to be, but I think it's important to, there's so much cultural debate right now about quote unquote ideology. Mm -hmm. I believe at these large academic pediatrics, gender clinics, you're not getting ideology. You're getting people who support gender diverse kids. And I think if anything, you know, what I really also want parents to know is that gender diversity is real. This is not a lifestyle. It's not an ideology. It's not like some lefties trying to like steal the culture. That's a conversation that's been created by other people. And it really interferes with taking care of your kids. Mm. It really interferes with doing best by your children. The trans community is wonderful and vibrant and successful and thriving and alive. And they're not recruiting. <laughs> you know, it's not a, yeah. it's not a religion. It's, it's a community for people to belong when they wake up and realize that they're experiencing gender incongruence. Yeah, that's awesome. It's a good place to pause and um, bring in uh, Dre. Dre, I'm sure that um, you have probably been listening to to Christina and just nodding your head along. Um, Dre, what is it like for you to to listen to someone like Christina describe the amount of love and support that she gave her son during this conversation? It's just, it's really incredible. Um, I feel, you know, so fortunate to have folks like Christina, you know, both, you know, in my life and also just hearing these stories of parents um, who are just really showing up for their kids and advocating for their kids. Um, you know, it's really heartwarming. We see kind of a whole, you know, a whole spectrum of, uh, you know, reactions of parents. So, you know, seeing someone like Christina is really amazing and what she's doing for her son. So we're going to do a part two of this conversation where we bring Dre and Christina back for more of the answers to your questions that you might be having, especially if you're a parent who has just recently learned that your child is having gender dysphoria. So stay tuned. This is going to be a wonderful conversation. One more half hour on Beyond Well.